Learn the most empowering hiring techniques. Land the most desirable talent. Launch your company towards massive success. This is the Higher Power Radio Show with your host, Rick Gerard. Well, over the past few years, talent has been scarce. And when talent is scarce, fear leads hiring decisions. And we don't want to lose what we perceive to be good people. So we shortcut and fast track the interview process. Here's the thing. Our perceptions are often wrong. Our gut is often wrong and is wrong because the data that we input is either assumed or circumstantial, resulting in marginal hiring that hurts your business. So what if every person that you hired thrived in your company? What would be the ROI if you operated at a hiring success rate of over the 90th percentile? It'd be pretty effing amazing, right? A major reason why we get hiring wrong too often is that we don't invest the time adequately vetting people before we bring them in for an interview. This starts with your first call or phone screen. We miss the opportunity to gather true data as to whether a person is positioned well for the organization and their level of performance. That's right, positioning and performance. The most crucial data that will help you understand alignment before wasting time on anybody in a formal interview process. Evidence that's not present on a resume. I'm Rick Gerard, and welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show. We help entrepreneurs and executives win-win the strongest people. We do so by sharing insights from top-performing rebel entrepreneurs, game changers, and industry leaders like our guest today, Mr. Payman Tae. Payman is the founder of Visme, an all-in-one visual communication platform. And he's the co-founder of Respana, which is the link building for SaaS and agencies to improve Google rankings. Payman is an avid technologist who loves new trends and tries to keep up with the ever-involving internet. His background in biology has led him to truly believe the art of evolution. Everything changes in time. You either create, follow new trends, or you will be left behind, which is what makes Payman the perfect expert for today's topic. Payman, welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show today. Thank you for having me, Rick. Thanks for the intro. It's a pleasure to have you. And I did mess up your last name, even though I told you I wouldn't. Sorry about that. You're like the thousandth person, so (laughs) permission granted. Thank you so much. All right, so we're going to talk a little bit about the challenges in pre-vetting talent today, why it's important to do it in such a way that brings forth the people that are going to be the most viable candidates into the interview process. Then we're going to talk about how to properly vet based on the experience that you have and some of the process you have in place. Sound like a plan? Sounds like a plan. Let's do it. All right, let's do that. So we often start out with a fun hiring story, maybe funny, maybe like, you know, something that makes you facepalm. Would you care to share a story with our audience that maybe they could relate to? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So there will be a few of them, but I'll give you one um, example. And this was a few years back. Um, You know, uh, we've come a long way in terms of improving our hiring process and so on, vetting. But, um, you know, I made a, a terrible uh, gut decision um, on a whim. Um, and uh, this was for a very specific marketing hire um, at Visme. Um, and someone that, um, you know, wasn't a friend, wasn't it's someone that I had known years ago, met at an event and so on, and reached out and said, hey, I would love to join your company for this specific position. And uh, I fairly quickly made and hire after a short interview, a couple of interviews and so on. And I kind of uh, missed some clues where, you know, you kind of go with a shiny object where it looks great on the surface and you feel that that's going to be great. It's going to work. So I judge um, the individual by the 
the notable company she had worked at and the position that she held, uh, she held thinking that, okay, well, she worked here. This is the position she had, probably would be a good fit here. Um, and uh, within a matter of actually a week or so, and of course, clearly by the, the first month, um, I knew um, and everybody else knew that uh, we had made a decision. I had made a mistake. I had made a mistake in, in that hire. Um, and so I, um, you know, um, decided, told myself, this will never happen again. What are some changes that we can make um, to improve the hiring process at VizMe? And that started journey as far as where we have gone from there to now. I mean, since then we have, I don't know, gone from a company of about probably about 25 people or so to close to 95, 100. I don't know exactly what the number is, but somewhere around there now. Um, and so we had to make some uh, changes and improvements in the process and how we do the hiring. Um, still a lot of room for improvement, but looking back, it, we've come a long way. And I would imagine you don't make assumptions anymore, right? <laughs> still make assumptions. I think we're humans. We make assumptions and so on, but uh, it has to be, we, we have kind of a, you know, a, a vetting process where, um, you know, the, it needs to be verified by one or two other individuals to confirm that assumption, you know, because, uh, you know, I do have a pretty good intuition as far as making decisions that you've learned over time, doing business and so on, but intuition doesn't guarantee anything. So the, it just, it, it, yeah. So I have a pretty good gut feeling of things now for through the learning process, but yeah, usually I depend on a couple of their colleagues um, to, to be able to assist with the decisions when it comes to hiring or even certain important business decisions. And I agree, you know, I think what's important is that you load your gut up like good evidence so that you can actually make that good decision, like verify it as opposed to it being a bias based decision, right? So let's talk a little bit about the challenge. So we talked about pre-vetting prior to the show. And one of the things that we had talked about, like, you know, that was a big kind of challenge for you as well. So talk to me a little bit about some of the challenges with pre-vetting people before you bring them in for an interview. Yeah, so, you know, we have uh, on our site, visme.com or visme.co, V-I-S-M-E, uh, we literally under the logo have that we're hiring. And we generate a lot of traffic uh, through, our, through our website. Um, over three and a half million visitors a month come through that. So naturally that serves as the number one um, <clears throat> platform for us as uh, generating um, <clears throat> job inquiries. Uh, so as far as uh, getting resumes and getting um, candidates. Uh, and, you know, there's hundreds and hundreds of resumes, especially in the last few months when the layoffs um, have increased on in terms of technology and SaaS, the number of applicants has drastically improved. So one of the challenges that we have is with the volume of um, um, applicants that we get um, to uh, pre-qualify and pre-vet those candidates uh, to be able to get them in front of the right person, the manager or HR and so on to do that. Um, and, uh, you know, so the other part with that respect is that um, we're a SaaS company. We're about 100 people, a little less under that, uh, right near that. And there's no, uh, we don't want to set some sort of automations as opposed to, let's say, a Fortune 500 company has where they get tens of thousands of resumes a month. So of course, they have these certain automations in place. We do manually look at every single resume and, um, and make decisions on um, discarding that resume, like it's declining it or versus uh, proceeding further to the process. So you get a lot of resumes and that's the problem. Like as you're going through and you're like looking at the resumes, what are you vetting out? There, there's a few different qualifications we look at and these are pretty simple and it seemed like they're almost idiot proof, but I believe they make a huge difference in terms of who we decide to take to the next step. 
Um, one is, and I actually had a LinkedIn post about that just about a couple of weeks ago, talking about how we at VizMe do that. And when I did that, there was a couple of disagreements for other individuals who were mentioning as well, this point, which I'll mention, um, you know, wouldn't work if you were applying for a really large company. This is what works for us. Uh, most of them, I believe, work for most companies, but uh, there may be certain adjustments you need to make for yours. Uh, so, you know, there is, in order to select uh, the right candidates, there's a few things we look for. Um, one of them is uh, that we have almost a rule here at VizMe is that if an individual um, has been job hopping multiple times, you know, let's say the individual has six or seven years of experience in, let's say, quality Ten insurance, you know, QA. Uh, for engineering. <laughs> yeah. And in the last, you know, six years has gone into five or six jobs and it's like nine months, 11 months, a year and a half, you know, people do get laid off. People do leave companies, but when you have this thing happening repeatedly for us, that's a flag for me personally, it is. I've been still in our team that um, when we see that type of trend in a candidate, it is a big strike for us. Often, unless there's another item that doesn't match, uh, it is an immediate decline. Um, and yeah, there might be a couple of candidates opportunities here and there that we could have probably would we be good fit, but we just, we will go with that assumption is that this individual is looking for another pathway, another, you know, to serve as a catapult to move to the next place. That's our philosophy on it. Um, and each time in the past that we made hires individuals that had that trend, they ended up not being a fit for us. And it probably wouldn't be a fit for most companies if they're looking for long-term hires. We look for long-term hires. We have absolutely no interest in hiring someone that is going to come in for six months a year. And of course, most companies don't. And so that's very important for us. Well, short-term hires are called contractors, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, and we're, and especially if they're not a contract, they're essentially a W-2 employee, you know, and yeah, but yeah, you're right. I've seen it a bunch too, right? You know, I see it every day just as much as you do. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so another one would be is, you know, relevancy to the job that they're applying for. Uh, of course, this is very normal. I mean, if you have a QA engineer, is there experience in QA? I mean, you'd be surprised that so many people apply where they're, you know, and they may be looking to change, um, you know, from one opportunity to another, from one career angle to another. Maybe they're a QA now to become, now they want to become, let's say, a software developer, actually an engineer, engineer in terms of just coding, um, you know, for development. Um, those are okay, but you know, completely across the board for us, those are not fits because uh, they don't have the experience and level that we're looking for. So, for example, we used to hire very, very early on for internships. Even you know, individuals that come in, let's say designers, used to be great <coughs> coming. <coughs> excuse me, as uh, maybe an intern and working their way into um, a designer. At this stage of our company, we do. Um, I don't, I can't recall the last time we actually hired an internship. So we only look for full-time positions. Experience is very important for us. So experience that's relevant to the industry. So we're a SaaS company. We would prefer someone that is in SaaS versus, you know, from another angle, unless it is a job that is very non-technical uh, in that aspect. Um, yeah. So those are the two. Another one is the, just, you know, what does a, a resume feel like? Um, you know, uh, <laughs> this, this sounds, I guess, funny in our industry, we're a software, we're a technology company. Applications that come in that are in a, that are in a Word document, docx, you know, or .doc format versus a PDF, they get a strike. <laughs> if somebody sends a um, Word doc, and I know that. All right. Yeah, yeah, it does. Uh, you know, for us, it is. Why? Because we are in the forefront of technology, and if you haven't gone to the path of taking five seconds and taking that Google Doc and down was a PDF, or you haven't figured out at this point that's probably a better to send documents as a PDF versus a doc format, 
we unfortunately don't have a place for you. That sounds, you know, pretty bold and upfront, but that's kind of a rule that we have here. It works just fine when you go, let's apply to large companies, uh, Fortune 500s, and even through their automation, um, those things will bypass and probably get to the right person. But for us, that is that. The other one, of course, is the appeal of the application itself. Um, so um, A, no welcome letter, um, no cover letter, um, no paragraph in an email application. Yeah, it's not all of these, it's any or. Uh, they are a flag for us. So example, individual may uh, apply for a job. Wait, now are you providing a call to action in your job descriptions that kind of would convey that? We, yeah, we do. I mean, so when you go through our site to apply, we have a comment. Tell us a little bit as far as what you want to join uh, Visme or, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself. We ask that. And um, it's surprising that certain individuals, and maybe because, you know, for us is probably they're applying to so many places, they don't want to take five, 10 minutes to provide context of why they want to join Visme. You know, so we believe that if you badly want to work at a company, do your research for five, 10 minutes, go to their website, learn a product, know what it is, and give something unique that uh, it comes across as this individual has done a little homework and they're actually interested in joining this company versus applying to 10, 15 other uh, places. So those are very important vetting processes. If you, um, you know, don't meet any of those, you're absolutely not going to be looked at next. If you meet, you know, check on one or two of those and maybe next, it, it still may go through the vetting process, the next step, but it will go through with maybe a strike or two. So we're going to be a little more careful in that interview process, the next steps. You know what I like about this is that this is all rules that you guys have made that are in alignment with your values of your company and who you guys are. And you made a point earlier about it being, you know, it doesn't work for large companies, but it works for you guys. Every company is unique and different works for Amazon, doesn't work for Google and what it, or, you know what I mean? So you have to do what aligns well with the organizational structure and how you're building the company. Uh, I commend you for that. Thank you. This vetting process you put in place, how has this been important to the company? What has it done from either an ROI perspective or? Uh, yeah, I mean, so here's the thing. Um, those are just pre-qualifications to get uh, more um, qualified candidates coming through so that we can spend more time with them during the interview process. You know, I'd rather us get three great candidates coming through the deeper interview process um, and for a certain position than we have 15 and then, you know, nine of them are no fits and so on. That doesn't give us ample time to be able to interview them, get to know them, um, you know, and, and so on. So time, you know, efficiency, productivity are very important for us. Uh, so those are key elements that we want to get the right person um, in front of the right uh, individual. So let's say it's a sales position. It's got to get in front of the head of sales, customer success, potentially me at the end and so on. Um, you know, uh, so that is something that's, uh, that's helped us a, um, a, a decent amount in terms of um, having a better qualification process and essentially eliminating the noise. Um, so got it. Um, and another angle is, I'm sorry, jump in. The other one is that once we find that right candidate, um, and it allows us to focus more heavily on finding the right person. And then, of course, when we find that right person, we believe will be the best fit. Um, and I think during that process, them seeing that we take more time to spend with them, they also become more serious and the success rate goes up. And I'm sure you're probably not falling in the trap of, hey, I've got another offer. You guys need to move on me quickly. Otherwise, I'm going to bounce to somewhere else. Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> that's a trap I see people fall into way too often. All right, you're listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. For our podcast listeners, we're going to take a quick educational moment from our sponsors. 
Hey, check out innertrue.com. There you'll find additional content and resources and a link to healing career wounds. Let it be your secret weapon to finding the most strongest people. We're talking to Paimon Ta'i. I got it right, right? Got it right this time. You're good. (laughs) (laughs) And we're talking a little bit about pre-vetting. So we just talked about kind of the impact that it's made within his organization. Now we're going to get into the details of how you do it. So let's talk about how we pre-vet. Walk me through kind of the steps that you guys take. Sure. So a couple of them I touched on earlier, but I uh, go through a little bit more, um, you know, pre-qualification process, you know, we got to pick basically the needle from the haystack and uh, the application itself matters. The formatting I talked about as far as what format it's provided, at least to us, we care that it's a PDF or it can be a link. It could be a link uh, to an online, um, you know, document page and so on. Um, and uh, also how well laid out that application is. And let me be very careful on this one. This one um, doesn't necessarily work well when it go when you go apply to Amazon or very large companies and so on necessarily, unless it was a very specific design position. But we are a design content creation platform. And so we care about how much attention someone gives to um, the tiny details um, and uh, how clean a resume and organized it is tells us that that person maybe is neat or cares about the, um, the, the, uh, the details. And at VizMe, details matter a lot. You know, everything about the designs and the presentation platform and our templates and everything else, um, we want it to be pixel perfect. And so um, that matters to us. So that's another one. Um, then, uh, you know, the matter in which the resume is submitted, like I mentioned, you know, is it, does it look like this person has applied to 10 other jobs and just copy pasted a cover letter across for everybody else? Does it seem like this person is actually highly interested in the position with us? Therefore, they've taken the time to um, say something meaningful, something different that makes it sound like, okay, um, example. I've been a user. I've been a user of Visiting for last year, uh, you know, year and a half, and I noticed that there's a job profile for, let's say, the marketing outreach, and I really feel that this would be a great fit for me because, and there's something meaningful behind it. Yeah, the why. Yeah, why versus why are you implying as opposed to like, here's my resume. I hope that you call me. I mean, it, look, if you're out there and you're looking for a job right now, the worst thing you can do is just spam your resume out to a million places. I mean, the best thing you can do is yeah. pick five companies you want to work for and spend the time reaching out properly because that makes a huge difference. But it is. And let's, talk, let's spin around the other way. Um, you know, SDR, sales development representatives, cold email outreach or phone outreach when you get sales calls, right? How many, um, you know, emails or calls get pay attention to when they're booked to a thousand people with the same message versus you send 10 or 15 that's probably a little bit low 40 or 50 because you know call outbound is pretty low conversion and they're highly targeted you've done the homework it speaks their language talks about something makes it feel like genuine you will have probably a higher conversion rate on those 50 versus the thousand emails that you sent out so that's kind of uh, that Especially if you hit some sort of pain point or you demonstrated some sort of observation that you think that you can bring to the table. Correct, correct. I mean, I'm going to listen to that all day long as opposed to, hey, let me tell you about my company. I get stuff from RPO companies all the time wanting to do my outsource recruiting. Drives me nuts. It's always the same message. That's right. You know, and let's turn around the other way. You know, I'm no longer single. I've been married for a while. But let's say, you know, you're, you're the individual listening to this is single and you go on a dating platform looking for the next date. <laughs> you send 50 emails and you say, hi, how are you? Versus you get pretty detailed. It's the same thing. You're, you're essentially trying to make a date. You're trying to make a connection. 
So another one for us is, you know, you know how much passion that person's uh, person is showing through, you know, the, do have they learned about the company? Do they know the why they want to join? So that kind of goes with the cover letter or the email that they send us. Um, and very clearly, they're not job hopping. I mentioned that earlier on. This person is not on a trend of, uh, you know, constantly hopping from one place to another. Um, and that is uh, a very big flag for us. Um, and they're interested because of A, B, and C. I'm interested to join business because of such, because of this, and, and it's meaningful. It shows, again, going back to what they're looking at. Um, another one, of course, would be that, um, you know, this is, uh, you know, we have a large pool of uh, candidates that come in. So that qualification process needs to be in place so that we get the maximum amount of qualified candidates and the least amount of qualified candidates that come through, meaning high quality by the lower number from the large pool of referrals that we get. I mean, if you got one position open, you really only need to see one resume, really, if you think about it. If it's somebody who's on target, you don't need to do the compare and contrast thing. You just need somebody who's really good, who's hitting all the marks. That's exactly right. Okay, so you're picking the needle from the Hayskeck. That's how you're vetting them by the application process. They make the application process. Do they go to a phone screen or do they go straight to an actual interview? So at that point, there would be typically a, um, an email communication that, that would go out. Um, it could be from, the, depending on what the role is, it could be from the manager of that um, uh, that is uh, responsible for hiring that role or it might be the HR. Uh, individual and um, so depending on that but the process is similar where there's a little bit of you know vetting in terms of email communication asking a couple questions and just kind of drop a couple little um, you know um, specific questions that's up to them to ask then see what kind of response they get things seem aligned as expected if they are then of course that right away will go into the next step which is to set up a zoom you know, call typically a Zoom so we can see them face to face. So you're essentially kind of doing the phone screen as a email reach out and having them answer some questions. Typically, yes. Um, I mean, if if it looks really good on paper, like we're like, okay, this looks like a great candidate. We don't have any doubts that we really should interview this person. Then we'll pass that and just go directly provide link to set up a you know Calendly and set up the interview. Um, and then from there and during a the call, I mean, uh, this is again, it's a pre qualification at that point. So the pre vetting is done. Um, at this point, we say like it's the first interview, pre-qualification interview, um, and then um, at that point, uh, we're going to do a high-level technical experience check. Wait, the first interview is what? That that's your pre-vetting interview. Uh, the first interview, yeah. So we have, you know, I think. And this is the skills piece. That that is a lightly on the. It's a bird's eye view of the of the skills. Okay. It's actually heavily. Um, we have we more heavily based it on personality and lightly on the experience part. Okay. So this is kind of like a cultural alignment piece. Yes, it is. Okay. But in addition to that, we would also very lightly touch on some of the technical experience or the experience of that person going through the resume, understanding their career history, just to confirm that things are, you know, um, what they seem to be, they, they align. Um, and then additionally from there, the individual in this, uh, in this uh, step will also do a little bit of a gut check. Like, you know, does this person seem like a, uh, align with our core values Has the right personality we're looking for? Um, one of the things that is very important to me at BizMe and I've instilled in it across our team is um, we don't hire assholes. <laughs> you know, it's like you got to be a nice person. Like you got to be a genuine nice person that we can consider you being a part of our close-knit family that, you know, we could one day potentially be friends and so on. 
yes, we do serious work here. We're fast paced, but you gotta be a nice person. We have to get that feeling. If we do not get that feeling, it doesn't matter how well experienced you are, or if it seems like this individual, you know, I'm the best engineer out there, I'm the best AE out there, and I've got experience, I worked at company X, Y, and Z, and, you know, and it's just, it seems like they're not open to constructive feedback and they're set in their ways, they're not going to work here. Um, and so that's very important for us. So that's a little bit of a gut check that we do. So that's happening in that first vetting interview. Who's doing that first interview? Is it the team or are you having somebody in HR do it? Um, it could be any, either or. So <clears throat> it depends on the position. Uh, typically, if it's sales roles or customer success roles, they may go directly to the head of customer success or head of sales uh, for that. Um, and uh, it also uh, in certain other roles, they may go directly to the HR. It depends. Um, typically engineering, you know, we have it uh, pre-qualified through HR um, as there is very specific sets of elements that are easy to check on. Um, to confirm they align. And then from there, um, we would take it to an engineer. One of the reasons for that is because um, engineering is a, a, a is a decent part of our company here. And our engineer team is extremely busy at all times. And we want to take as least amount of time to get them involved in the pre-qualification um, as possible until we get to that technical interview step where they get heavily involved. And of course, they go through a similar process and more. So that vetting stage that you're having HR do, that's kind of taking the... HR or even manager role. HR or even the manager. Okay, got it. So I'm curious as to when HR does it or the manager, right? They're vetting against the values and then they're kind of walking through the career history and doing the overall kind of just like a high level view, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, it's still high level. Exactly. This is a core piece of the vetting process before they get into the full interview with the team. That is correct. Um, and that interview, the next interview, uh, it could be HR, then going to the manager for that interview. It could be the manager that's done the interview. Now, again, the manager doing a further interview that's going to be more detailed and potentially bringing somebody else into the mix uh, for that next interview. Uh, so we're pretty fluid and flexible. It's a matter of which um, um, cer certain individuals have uh, preferences. You know, a manager might want HR to first interview and get them in front of. We're, we're pretty. It's, it's a fluid system. This is not like there is a clear cut guideline that it has to always be like this across every single division. So from that vetting process right there, before you bring them into the actual technical interview and then you know bringing them through, what's the success rate in moving the candidates through to the next stage? Yeah, good point where your team is invested in it, like the engineering team, it's expensive to have them sit in an interview, right? Yeah, I would say uh, anywhere between, I would say about one third of the time. So out of three interviews, probably one will make it. That can vary depending on who's come through, but I would average it at that. Those two pieces, the, the pre-qualification of the resume and then bringing them through to, that almost seems to me that's like what I would call a discovery call, right? Because essentially what you're doing is you're running through but you're doing it via, is it a video call or are you guys meeting on site? We, uh, yeah, we're pretty much mostly remote. Um, it's rarely that we have individuals that are here. I mean, unless we were hiring for a very, very key role, but pretty much uh, most of our company is remote across U.S. and some other countries. Yeah, it's a Zoom call. We want to see them on video and, and uh, feel them out and talk to them, same and vice versa. That's in essence that first round is your phone screen, but you're doing it in a more formalized environment. One of the things I think candidates or I think a lot of people hate about phone screens is just a really quick, hey, what are you looking to make? Do you have five years of this? And I think it's such a lost opportunity for sure. Yeah, those, those things. Uh, so... 
we also have another tendency that's not related to HR uh, to hiring, but actually still does apply is we, um, I would like the team to do less than more meetings, do meetings that are meaningful. Otherwise you can do an asynchronously. You can record looms, you can communicate on Slack and so on. Use meetings to actually solve a problem and go over something that's being finalized. And so the same thing here, what is the point of having calls for just the sake of it and just ask simple questions that could have been answered otherwise. Now, it's extremely important to meet the person, see them and communicate with them to go in over certain things, but at least get those things out of the way in the pre-vetting. So I would say pre-vetting versus product few qualification. Pre-vetting is applicants come in, we're pre-vetting if this person is uh, good enough to go to the discovery. Um, uh, and then from the discovery or slash pre-qualification, okay, this person is qualified, personality, you know, uh, slash core values checks, technical experience seems to check. All right, let's get to the actual technical deep interview from there on. That's so good. And that's why you're finding out, like, that's why you're getting like one out of three are making it through and you're probably not interviewing very many people and they're getting hired. That's huge to be able to save the time of your team. Shoot, Paymon, we're getting pretty close on time. What would be two or three key takeaways you can give the audience that can plug into their business today? Well, I talk about hiring related or talking about business related? Related to the topic. I know, I'm sure you got plenty of business. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, I would say is um, uh, go deeper beyond the cover of the of the magazine. Uh, I'll give an example, I think. And again, those probably that are marketers probably going to hate me for this, but uh, I sit very close to product and marketing. Here's what I would say. Certain roles um, take credit for a lot of things that was done as an entire team versus them. So I am hiring, I'm, you know, I'm, let's say individual, I'm applying for a marketing position. I was responsible for increasing revenue by 30% over the last six months by doing X, Y, and Z. Um, I want you to question that. Was that individual solely responsible or was it a group effort? Often is. What well, was a very specific thing? So dig into that. So, um, you know, and that's that. So uh, I think uh, the other one was that I believe, um, even though I made a mistake going by gut check very early on, of course, you learn our process is um, I, I had a gut feeling it might not be a good fit, but I went with the assumption that, you know, because this person worked here and there and therefore they're a fit. So at the end of it, just trust what your gut says, you know, and in order to trust that you got to go a little bit deeper into that. And that requires some additional communication and so on. And another thing is if you're a small company, you're a company of 20, 30, 50, 70, 80 people, I think nearly all positions, you should get them in front of you. If you're not part of the hiring process, you as the founder, as the owner company and so on to get to know that person for 10, 15 minutes and feel if you feel the same way. Um, you know, so I do that in almost every single role. Rarely, I would say nine out of 10 roles, I do that. Um, I just want 15 minutes in front of me before we hire them, put the stamp of hiring that process, an individual for them to get to know me, see that, okay, what the company's about and someone is sitting, you know, on the, on the founder position. Um, and also for me to just gauge and make sure that everything checks out. And you know what? Meeting the founder of the company definitely helps to get somebody engaged. And I think they pay attention to that a little bit more and find more value in joining the company because of it. Paymon, thanks so much for your time investment today. And I want to welcome you to the Higher Power Radio community. Now, what would be the best way in which members of the audience can find you, find your company? Thank you very much. Yeah, absolutely. Company, just uh, go to visme, V-I-S-M-E dot com dot co. Either way, we'll get it to us. We're the only one visual communication platform. We're the platform that you create beautiful presentations and design and everything in between to up your brand and your business 
regardless of uh, whether you're looking at it to be just simple to fully interactive engaging. You can find it on visme.com. And as far as with me, you can find me on LinkedIn. That's where I'm a little bit more engaged. Uh, I don't think there's anybody with my first name and last name. So drop that in, connect with me. Tell me that you found me through Higher Power. All right. Well, I want to thank you for tuning in this week's episode of Higher Power. Quick thanks to our team, Brian Colburn, Andrea Ballin, and Ayla Gerard. If you're listening to the podcast, please subscribe, review, and share after all this shows for you. And we want to continue to bring you valuable content week after week. You can join the Higher Power Radio community at Higher, H-I-R-E, Power, P-O-W-E-R, Radio, R-A-D-I-O dot com. You can drop me an email at rickettstridesearch.com. Tune in next Tuesday. Our guest is going to be Jason Lavender. He's the co-founder and CEO of Electives. I'm your host, Rick Gerard, and you have been listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. Aloha. Thank you for listening to Higher Power Radio. Catch our LinkedIn live show every Tuesday at noon or download the podcast on iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, or your favorite podcast platform. We appreciate you joining us on Higher Power Radio with your guide to hiring success, Rick Gerard. Rick Gerard. Rick Gerard.